0: Hello and welcome! This is Working Class to World Class. But before we go any further, I do have a little favour of you. If you could hit that follow or subscribe button, then that would be a massive help. Thank you. In this episode, I feature a lady who is really inspiring and tells her candid story of growing up as that little kid that found it really tough at school. Years later, she discovered she had dyslexia. But it certainly didn't stop her because that became her superpower and now she travels the world, she hangs out with celebs and she really is living the life. Breaking through the barriers of adversity. I'm Lynne Lester and this is Working Class to World Class. So Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's always so lovely to see you. Normally somewhere sunny, not not in the Greek
1: (laughs) Scotland. Ah, uh, thank you. No, um, really delighted, um, that you asked me. So yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I know, it's it's always good fun. Always good fun. <clears throat> so for people tuning in, obviously, you know, I know who you are. I know your success story, but a lot of people will have no idea. So could you just give a rundown of who you
1: are and what you do? Yes. Um. So I'm Sarah Drummond. Um. And I'm the managing director and exec producer at a company called LS Productions. Um, I'm also um, the Managing Director and Exec Producer of LS Films, which is our newly formed uh, film department. Um, We are a um, 50-person production company headquartered in um edinburgh we've got offices in manchester and london and we do global production so we do roughly about 60 productions a year and those can fall under different streams as we call them so they can be fashion music video tv commercials uh, we service film and tv and then we also have our own original content so we're developing and working on um, multiple feature documentaries so one with Irvin wells just now um another one about the by cop scandal um and we're also following an incredible venezuelan boxer uh called joanna gomez um with her olympic dream um of qualifying um for paris in 2024 so full on um and that so that's what i do at the moment um not that i'm leaving (laughs) no but that's where i'm at right now um and then my kind of journey um started when i was well my kind of media journey started um when i was kind of 14 i would say so i'm dyslexic i didn't know i was dyslexic till i was twenty, twenty one, twenty two. 21 22 i was diagnosed and um the, uh I grew up in a working-class area um of Edinburgh and um, called Muir house uh, and went to a school called Craig Royston um and Craigie um is notorious in Edinburgh it's not really uh you know it's definitely not a uh, top of the top of the school uh school chart especially not back in the back in the 80s um but you know Muir House is an incredible community and my sisters and my dad um still live there my aunties they're incredible community activists and campaigners and you know they're it's a, still a huge part of my life but i did um i did a module in english and media studies and honestly i can still remember going home and being like oh my god that's like why the beans cans are those colours or it was just honestly it was like a little light had gone off in my head because I'd really struggled through school and obviously didn't know I was dyslexic um, and this just module was just like oh my god like I love this I get this I understand this um, and I made a film um, at that time um, about racism in my school and um, it went on to win like a young people young a co-op young people's award Um and then I ended up um getting a YTS at the uh at a place called Pilton Video, which is called Screen Education Edinburgh now. And um I'm on the board of Screen Education Edinburgh. Uh and I did a two year YTS, which back in the day <laughs> were your youth training schemes, and they could have been anything like plumbing, joining, you know, joinery, electrician, whatever. And um and I did um I can't remember what it was called video production so I did a two-year YTS in video production um, and I've worked ever since.
0: Wow I mean that was a pretty quick whistle stop tour of your life obviously there's more to it than this but one of the things that you said I really like I think it's really endearing not just about you but just about working class people as you said that your family still live there and, and that's really nice it's the same as me like coming from Clyde Bank yeah like I still live in Clyde Bank I've never left but my family still live here as well. And there's just something really, just really nice about that, isn't it? You, you always, you, you sort of have your career and everything and then you, you're back to down to earth when, you, when you're with your family. Is that what it's like for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, they keep me very grounded, don't worry. So when I'm in all these, Exotic places—they—they um, they definitely keep me grounded. Uh, but yeah, that—I mean—the community is a huge part of our life. My mum and dad. Uh, my mum was a um, drug and HIV um, counsellor, and she set up a whole um, kind of like project, um, which grew arms and legs kind of through the 90s because there was such a need for it so she ran a um a massive um but actually still runs to this day um back then it was uh, called shadow which was support help and advice on drug addiction and it runs still to this day as NEDAC, um which is north edinburgh drug advice center um and so that was you know all through my kind of like primary and high school my mum was you know a huge part of the community she was one of the first people to bring a needle exchange into the uk um and they had kind of so she was kind of one of the pioneers of basically helping addicts um and supporting them and giving them that support that they deserved when you know they were kind of being pushed aside and and shunned by the the politicians so you know community has always been a massive um you know a massive part of of growing up um And my dad still to this day um, is a huge community activist. He's just resurrected the North Edinburgh Festival and had, I think he had like 6,000 people at it um, last year. It's going to run again in May, but he's just on all of these kind of committees and boards and supporting people and he's 72 and he's And I kind of sometimes wonder where I get my capacity from. And it's definitely from, like, what my mum was like. She's passed away now. but And then definitely what my dad's like. Just that really kind of, like, strong work ethic. Um, And theirs was kind of centred around helping people. So, yeah,
0: that's where you you get the caring gene from. I I remember visiting my uncle down south. And um, so, obviously, anything for anyone tuning in, anything... Beyond the Scottish borders down south, and um, my uncle was going around going, oh, well, let's see what what flowers Mary's potting today, and it was like totally in his community, very different. He's not an activist, but just very nosy and very lovely. <laughs> so for you growing up, then, so so give us an insight. You know, at the moment you so, so sort of put it in context. You know, you're flying around the world most of the time. I see you generally and can. <laughs> with a rosé in hand which is always really nice but the reality is when, where you grew up and how you came to be now is, is so far removed it's completely different worlds so so just talk me through you know you talk about it your house where you're from tell yeah. us what, what was that like and you I know you've got siblings so talk a little bit about them.
1: Yeah so we, we we grew up um me and my two sisters my two big sisters in a two-bedroom kind of maisonette flat so we had like a we call it a balcony, um, a balcony. Um, so they basically these like flats on top, like basically yeah, flats with like, uh, like a kind of upstairs downstairs. I don't know how best to describe it, but but like a prefab kind of thing. So there was the three, the three of us and my mum and dad, so five of us, basically in this tiny little, um, two-bedroomed house. So my sister, we moved when I was twelve. My middle sister would have been fifteen, my oldest sister was eighteen, so basically my middle sister and my oldest sister had to share a bedroom with like the three of us basically shared a bedroom until they were fifteen and eighteen and I've got a thirteen year old and a fifteen year old now and i I can't imagine them sharing a room now we get on brilliantly we're still really really close we're like we're still like yeah we're we're really close as siblings um but yeah that was quite um and it's so funny because my mum and dad are like really socialist and um quite um kind of like with quite an eclectic sort of hippie-ish upbringing um if you like and we had loads of people who used to come and stay with us and people who were up for the festival or um like we had um, like obviously my, like with my dad's kind of politics and stuff we had um, just like all of these people who would just come and turn up and, and stay at our house and I was chatting to my dad about it last year and I was like where did everyone sleep dad and he was like I don't know pal I don't know like it was just full of people in this like tiny wee tiny wee house Um up these flats so um yeah so grew up there went to Muirhouse primary and then craig royston high like i said school was not fun um i didn't enjoy it at all um and like i say i didn't didn't get diagnosed with dyslexia until i was 22 so um yeah i was kind of just keen to get out of school as fast as possible so ended up leaving when i was 15 but Muirhouse back then And even now, there is still such a strong community spirit, you know, there was like gala days and, um, you know, um, my mum and my mum would run, there was a centre called like the, it was called MSEC, I'm trying to think what it stood for, but you would go and there'd be like the Friday night disco, so you'd pay 50p and everybody would be, you know, be at the Friday night disco and there was loads of youth clubs and um, just loads of things going on Um, and we used to get dragged probably is the right word although now it's set us up really well but we used to get like dragged to all the demos um we used to go up to the timex um demos before school we'd like jump on a bus to dundee at like six in the morning and shout scab 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 and then like going to school <laughs> late uh we'd go down to london for like the poll tax demos um and we used to go on these holidays <coughs> to skegness but it wasn't the normal butlins it was basically Basically, like a, um, like a kind of slightly run down version, but that's where all the SWP um conferences and stuff were. So we'd get like schlepped down to Skegness, um, and we'd go to these like young politician meetings and stuff and talk about <laughs> all of these things. So absolutely mad, mad upbringing of just stuff, um, and I did a um, it was just a really interesting kind of reflection on being a working class kid and I've always I don't know I've kind of changed my view on it a wee bit because I did a um I did a some mentor training with Creative Mentor Network in London. So I kind of I mentor different producers at different levels of their career um, whether it's kind of you know new entrants or or people trying to kind of just you know get to that next level. And they did this brilliant training um, and part of it talked about a thing called social capital. So, what are you know? What is your social capital? What is your network? Who do you know? Because as we know, it's a who you know industry. Um, and although I did media studies, and I you know, then I managed to get onto this YTS. I mean, I only got into that because I was um, working in shoe full time. <clears throat> I had been a Saturday girl there, and then jacked schooling at fifteen, and uh, went to work in shoe full time was having the time of my life going to raves and parties and working in shoe with all these you know like brilliant people um, and the person who I, I had made the the racism documentary with came in for a pair of Doc Martens and she said Sarah there's a YTS um, and I didn't even know like what that was at the time and uh, she said come down on Monday it's got your name written all over it and that's basically how I got the um how I got the traineeship but on that social capital, sorry, on that mentoring course, they talked about that social capital and what you know, like if you imagine, so my first proper job was in a post-production facility on reception. I had worked there doing work experience and done little kind of the odd days here and there, and the receptionist um I needed to do, I was doing reception cover for three weeks. I ended up staying for eight years, not on reception, but I kind of like moved up the ranks within that business. But I had loads of social capital because i could talk about the things that had happened in my life we used to go to things in the festival we used to see plays we had you know interesting people staying in our house we had you know so we, i had all these things that I could talk about i was still petrified i still felt like an imposter i still felt like i had you know that kind of imposter syndrome i felt uneducated i felt stupid because i was dyslexic i still felt all of these things but in conversations with either clients or people that i was meeting or things that i was kind of learning or the things that i was exposed to i had a really like rich like like rich things to delve into so I often think back now since doing that training bloody hell what about the kids that don't have that what about the kids that are just not just working class I don't mean it like that but just don't have the exposure to that yet or don't have that social capital their network is you know their mum or their dad or the person that's caring for them or they're in a residential care home or they're you know been in polmont young offender do you know what i mean it's like how do you get to those kids or young people who have who have nothing and you know and then help them kind of to expose them to this industry because on reflection i had a really rich you know i had a really rich a palette sounds like a really cheesy thing to say but i had like (laughs) You know, I had stuff to delve into, um, which has been a brilliant reflection recently. I'm like, oh god, are really working class now? Of course you are. Of course you're still like, you know, my dad, as a trained trade unionist, was blacklisted for years. You know, we had dry pasta for tea. You know, egg chips and beans was like, yes, we've got like some <laughs> saucy. you know, there's something to dip the chips in. Um, you know, so we were, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, uh, for loads of my um loads of my upbringing um but what we did have was this you know like one of my mom's pals um was a lawyer and he taught me how to make chapatis do you know what i mean like what well, at a party you know so then i was the person that made the chapatis when there was like a do, do you know what i mean it kind of yeah. like a it's a totally different um totally different exposure to kind of life and people and culture and um my mom and dad had pals that lived in malta And everyone thought we were posh, you know, like once my mum and dad kind of were more established working. My dad was an electrician. And um, the reality was we got standby flights to Malta. So there's five of us. So maybe my dad and me would get the first flight. And then my sister and my mum would come a few days later. And then so, you know, we'd be sitting at the airport. Portland and if we were all going to get on this like mega cheap flight to Malta and then we'd basically like sleep on my mum and dad's pals floor but you know when you lived in in an estate it was like oh they're going on a hot holiday (laughs) but the reality was very different.
0: It's so funny perceptions everything and actually do do you know one of the cool things about it is your sort of case in point and I always think this depending on what you want to do if you want to be a surgeon yes you need of course I want a surgeon to have be, be qualified in their field but for other things, you know, in the industry that we're in, yeah. actually culture and people and experiences to me outweigh wow. the education part because Definitely. you can teach it. You can't teach that grit and, you know, determination and sass and hustle and all the things I think you get from being working class. So, you know, you, you've proven that through and through yeah. so many times so you know I'm sure your family are super proud of you and, and what you've achieved and obviously you know we're friends on Facebook and Insta yeah. and all that and I see your feeds coming through and, and I I can feel the and I feel proud of you because I can <laughs> see what you do and you know so if I feel like that I can imagine how your family must feel you know and it must you, you must I guess have that pinch yourself moment sometimes Where you know you were saying god I, I was working class but there must be certain you know I get it in Cannes, for example. You're on you know in the French Riviera, you're on a yacht, I mean it's obscene. And you think I always stop and reflect and think, I'm really lucky actually, very lucky. And I and I guess you have those moments
1: as well. Definitely. And I think, you know, part especially the growth of LS recently, you know, and us as a team, what's really important is to stop and celebrate and reflect and actually be in the moment because, you know, it's a it's a You know, you're on a hamster wheel. It's a tough industry, and if you know, and we're not just striving to be bigger and better and bolder, and you know, to take over the world, we just want to do great things with great people really well. And you know, and we're doing that. And then when that is working really well, you're kind of like, oh God, you know. If I think back to the year that we had last year, on it, I'm like, what you know? And we do. I'm in a business group called Vistage, and we do goals. And you kind of stand up and you. Say what your goals were, and I was like, "Yeah, I did that? Yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, that happened." And like everything was just totally smashed and more. And I think if you don't, one, you've got to set those goals. You've got to, you know, set, you know, set out what you're aiming to do. But also, it's dead important to kind of reflect on that and to 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 be in it and actually enjoy it because it's not about just moving on to the next thing and you know what's the new shiny thing. It's like, God, this is like this is actually really special and you know you've got to kind of take those moments and my family are definitely really proud of me um and they do keep me grounded but yeah they're always um they're always like sharing stuff and um yeah it's funny i had quite a mad week last week or the week before and um i'm trying to shout because this bloody uh, building noises
0: <laughs> it's always the same isn't it when you do these things that the, and, the like... workers turn up <laughs>
1: <laughs> They've been putting like steels up, so it's been like steel banging, and now they seem to have like pneumatic drills out. um But yeah, in terms of um like my family, they are really proud, and those kind of pinch me moments. They um, we obviously uh, well not obviously, but if you look at our work at LS Productions, we kind of you know our sort of unique thing, or what we're sort of known for is working with high profile talent. So people can see right. Well, you've worked with Harry Styles, or you know we've just done. Um, 14 music videos for Ed Sheeran for his new album, um, and you know, like Penelope Cruz and Ben Stiller, and you know, I could name drop for ages of all the, you know, the kind of high profile talent that we work with. We we did all of Ronaldo's work when he was in, um, when he was in Manchester, and I don't. For me, it's just a job. It's like they're just people, and I think having that outlook, kind of you know like when we did the first job with Ronaldo like his people were like we only want you guys to work on this we only want to you know so I was getting most of the comms coming through and I was like yeah but I've got a team like please let me pass you on um but they just kind of like that sort of normalness that warmth that empathy that fact that you're not starstruck it's like we're here to do a job let's do it um and obviously there's wee moments that are kind of you know I'm like oh my god Um, once the NDA is lifted or once things come out and uh, the wheel always say at LS especially me and Maria our CEO if we're not excited by this if we're not excited sitting in Netflix in LA or if we're not excited going to a yacht and can or we're not excited going to a premiere in London or you know we've just got a job confirmed today and it's like if we're not excited by that job you know it's not a massive job but it's it's we're still excited when we get a you know when we get a confirmed job and like last year we did 62 and if we don't celebrate every time we get a job then why are we doing it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, kind of, it's just dead important for us to, to kind of to celebrate those things. Um, and then I was saying about the, sorry, I'm like Billy Connolly, I start loads of, start loads of conversations and then come back to, and then sometimes I forget. Um, <laughs> but yeah, last week or the week before was a crazy week and we ended up at the premiere of um, Louis Tomlinson from One Direction's um, new documentary. Um, And then we met liam payne from one direction we got on really well we were chatting for ages there's a couple of projects under ls films that might be interesting so we're now having a dialogue and now on my phone i've got voice notes from liam payne and he's like you know we're chatting and my kids are dying they're like oh my god mum that's liam Payne from one direction i was like yeah i know um so they are like absolutely losing their minds, um, and the only one from only person from One Direction that I've not met is um, oh, I'm going to forget his name, and that's what the Irish one. Um, anyway, that's terrible. I can't remember his name. You need to cut <laughs> that bit out. Um, but my my kids are like, you just need to meet that, and then you've met everyone from One Direction. So even they're they're proud as well of um, you know being in that kind of mad world absolutely the thing is i think that's a
0: badge of honor you don't know his name because it shows that you're not starstruck so <laughs> uh, he'll have to try harder to get on your radar he, he
1: will he will he's really good pals with Louis capaldi and i really want to work with Louis capaldi so maybe niall horan that's it so maybe a um, niall horan and Louis capaldi thing I'm- Need to manifest that and make sure we can work with them.
0: Well, things keep happening for you, so if you manifest it enough, it will happen. And one of the things I want to do so we're talking about all the success stuff, the great—I mean, this is just wild. It's brilliant to be in LA and Netflix and all these people. But can I just take you back to when you were that child, the point where you didn't enjoy it in school? So maybe the worst part of your school. Talk me through what is it like to be a dyslexic child? that's not good at school. How take take you back to yourself? How do you feel at
1: that moment in time? You're trying to make me cry, Lynn? No, no, <laughs> I just want, to understand. I want no, to understand. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because the I put something on Twitter the other week, and someone from school was like, "You were a clever clogs at school, Sarah," or I always thought that you were really clever, or made this comment that you know that he didn't kind of pick up on the fact that. I was struggling but I think because i quite confident or like outwardly seem confident um you know and I had all these kind of other things going on um in terms of kind of like things that were going on in, in my life um so school just didn't really feel like it was that important I didn't enjoy it um I just remember being like don't ask me please don't ask me like don't ask me to answer this don't ask me to write on the board Please don't ask me like anything to do with like these maths questions. I was in the bottom classes of, for everything apart from home economics because <laughs> it was practical, um, and I ended, I ended up getting like a credit for home economics, which is r- totally random. But that's only because I was tidy and I, cl- I cleaned up after myself and I did the cooking. <laughs> so because I was like organised, like really organised, and I had everything planned, so I did I did well in my home economics practical, but everything else then. I think the change, the curriculum's changed, but you get like fives and sixes, which is like foundation level. So my, that was, that was my bar. Um, oh, but I just felt stupid. I just felt like really stupid. And I've, and I've had to really like work on that. Um, even up until like five years ago of, and even the successes that I've had in other businesses, like the, like I was saying about Picardy, I started on reception and then, I kind of became the facilities assistant, facilities coordinator, facilities manager and then ended up at the operations manager. And that was over a kind of like seven, eight year period. So, you know, and that when I first sort of started to get. Like what I always, it's like that you don't want to sound like a dick Uh, and I've got my LS don't be a dick mug here as well. So a little (laughs) constant reminder of one of our values, which is don't be a dick. But when I started to excel, or do really well? I was like, right, I'm like really smart, and I'm like able to do these things that other people are not able to do. Like we had a new, whole new like library system and whole new scheduling system at Picardy. It's a post production house, and um, and I was the I mastered it. I was like, yeah, you just do this, just do that. That goes there. So everyone was then asking me, but could I spell? Could I write a phone number down? Could I? Um, you know right when somebody was looking at me my grammar my like my written English was shocking and I just thought it was because I was uneducated I just thought it was because I went to a shit school I was like oh I can't do these things because I went to a shit school because I've not been to uni I've not been you know we did a few modules at college when I did my training and I didn't really you know I think these they would be fail apart from like my home economics like if you looked at my actual exam results and then I you we know, well then I left when I was 15 so I only I only went back in and well I left and then I went back in and did some exams and then was away again Um. so I think like at that time I was like there's something I miss here like why can't I do these basic things why can't I write a phone number why can't my brain and my hand work together so I went to the doctors and just it was our family doctor. I was like, I'm doing really well, like in my work, and I've like done all these things already. And I was like, 21 or something. So then I was diagnosed basically with uh, with dyslexia. Then, and I was like, Ah, right, okay, that's that's what it is. Um, but you st- you don't get past that stupidness. You don't get past that feeling of feeling stupid, and you definitely don't get past the that kind of like sicky feeling in your stomach when you're like fuck i can't do this like how this is this is too hard and even in business now you know there's certain things that i'll get or certain communications i'll be like i can't read that like i actually can't read that and whether it's like something that's been sent that's maybe like multiple fonts or loads of stuff's underlined or it's like you know there's like maybe loads of picture like or not loads of pictures it's just it's just too much information like in a like crammed in I'm like I actually can't read that and they'll have to take like some extra time or you know just like pull out the little bits so there's kind of pros and cons of it because it also makes you a brilliant skim reader so I'm really good at like skimming things fast and like making fast decisions and empathy and big vision thinking and all those kind of things so now I believe that it really is like a superpower but that's taken a lot of work to kind of get over that I don't think you ever get over those shitty school feelings yeah. if you've had a negative if you've had a ne- negative um experience with school um and i just i was just like i, I just don't want to be here i just it's just not for me um and both my kids are dyslexic um and i knew i knew like from you know when their b's and d's were back to front when they started to learn to like write their name and we used to uh, take the mickey out my dad and say that he couldn't spell bus so it definitely comes like <laughs> it definitely comes down the genetics um and definitely from my dad um but like for my kids I had them diagnosed early pushed the school made them go to boost they hated me for it but I'm like take the help take the extra help when you're older you're going to thank me for it I know it's shit to be taken out of class I know that it feels like you know all of these things but just Get the get the tools. Just get those like little kind of like bits that can help you. Um and like Daisy's doing incredible in school. She's such a hard worker and Scarlett's definitely just, you know, she'll coast through. And as long as she can coast through with her confidence intact, that's all I care about. I don't care about, you know, the university or um, you know, them them coming away with a fucking numbered certificate that tells you what you're you know, or a lettered certificate telling you who you are as a person. I just, I just think the education system's so outdated. It's the stuff that they learn. I'm like, you can use voice notes. You've got spell check. You can use grammarly. You've got a bloody calculator. You don't need to do any. Like, I failed maths at school, and I can run a multi-million pound, you know, company and a multi-million pound production budget. When you know, when it's like. When it's real and it's tangible and you want you know, the reason to do it and you want to do it, then it just makes it like makes it so much easier. But God, I could speak for about eight weeks on that <laughs> thoughts on you my school system. Oh, do
0: you know what I think as well? You know, it's definitely broken. I mean, if you think about it now, you know, we'll, I'll tell you this first so a member of my family, they're they're worried about one of the kids because at the moment they can't read. So there's some issue. And I was saying the other day, of course, it's a worry. It's always a worry. However, we're getting into the era of AI and everything else. Yeah. So actually, yeah. no matter what you have that you think is holding you back, there will very Either we'll have it now, or we'll soon have technology yeah. that will be able to help you anyway. So yeah. actually, your life isn't over because you just can't do something. That's yeah. why you employ good people because they can do the things that yeah. you can't do. And so, so that's why we exactly. need a real mixed bag. So. Now, you know, you were saying like now in your career, sometimes you'll get documents that come in and, and if it's too overwhelming, it, maybe you can't take it in in the same way. So you've obviously got people around you. Are there other kind of hints and tips for that kind of thing? Like, because I, 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 I don't know what it would be like having dyslexia. so yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think what, what, you've
0: what...
1: just got to be honest and open. So I've always been like I probably mentioned it every day. In the office, um, or every day on Zoom, or like meetings or whatever. And it's not that it's an excuse, but I'm just, I just kind of own it now. And there are different ways of kind of like learning and thinking. And I think that openness helps others. So you know, within our um, within our business, we've got you know people who have ADHD. We've got you know there's uh, there's people across that neurodiverse spectrum. And, you know, their minds are incredible and their capabilities are incredible. So businesses need those kind of skills. And they're I kind of a look up, I look into this a lot because uh, I go down like rabbit holes of like ooh, like learning. Um, but the skills of the future are people who are on that spectrum because there's certain skills of where you're really detail orientated in terms of maybe like legals and contracts or you know, there's things that are going to be automated. There's things that are going to just, Happen that don't need human interaction or human, you know, like humans yeah. to to be able to um you know kick it off or, or run with it. But the things that you need are compassion and empathy and that big picture thinking and creativity. And so those are the kind of things that the future future employers will be looking for because you'll have AI who are going to be able to write a report or pull together a marketing strategy. Now, obviously, you need a, a being, you know, and being quite bold or quite blunt but saying like 10 years time you know you're not going to have to have somebody to sit in an empty room and start an essay from from nothing it's just not gonna you know language is going to be created by ai um but it's what you then do with that language what you then do with that stuff that's really important like how are you going to then you know make it into the real world. I'm kind of not explaining this very well, but what I am saying is that neurodiverse people are the future, <laughs> this is my bold <laughs> statement here. Um And I think within within my business, it's just having a safe space. Um, and, you know, Maria as well, you know, she's really, really, you know, we've got a really strong culture. Um, We're a people-led business and it's just like allowing people to fail, allowing people to make mistakes, understanding that some people need a lot of detail and some people don't want any detail. They just want a few bullet points. So we do a thing at LS called Insights, which you do a kind of color profile of like whether you're like red, green, yellow, or blue, and you get a kind of whole report. So it's kind of like, how do I like to be communicated with? How, you know, what doesn't work for me? So we're kind of working through that of like well how how do we all work together better and it's not perfect because we're all human you know we're not ai robots yet so it's but it's It's just being honest and open and transparent and kind and just yeah. giving people the you know the, the space to um either fail or thrive
0: do you know i think that's so true isn't it it's about being human and honest so i think the last couple of years is if, it, if it's taught us anything people are seeing through the fakeness they don't need someone that, because, you know, we, you and I will both know lots of people who can talk a really good game, but you're like, do you really know what you say? You know, And even if you do, it doesn't make you the right person or it doesn't, doesn't mean that you're going to do better than what I can do. But when people say fancy words or, you know, and, and we've, we've been through it together, I'm sure, you're, you kind of look yeah. at them and go, my God, they're really smart. And then after a while, as you get older, you're like, you're not really. You just know a few fancy words. So uh, well done. Well done and you. <laughs> And you know, I, I guess for, for people that are like tuning into this, you know, I I, I guess you're going to get some CVs in because do you know you, you you're you know you're not just a cool business working with really cool people and brands and doing fun stuff, but, but you can tell you're really nice people, and I actually think that's inherent of working class people as well because you accept others for who they are not what you would want them to be you know you'll have you'll have aspirations yeah. for people but you just like people for for being them and see for you then like for you to get that amount of success obviously your YTS scheme and I remember the days I remember people being on them <laughs> who have done actually quite well now yeah but you know when you go on something like that and you've obviously built your way up obviously you had dyslexia which you know at the time you didn't have the same tools way back then but see, what do you think it is about you and being working class that's sort of giving you that hustle to, to do really well? It's funny. They,
1: I think the two people have said recently, like unprovoked, and, I've, and I've, they've been in certain conversations, I'm Going to name drop, but one of them's Irving and um, Another one's a, a young lad. Well, he's young in my head. He's probably about 40 something now. But anyway, a young guy that I worked with, Stephen Cook. And they both said, you're a grafter. That's because you're a grafter. And I think Irvin had had sent a message about something. and He had like asked how I was and I was like, yeah, I'm brilliant. And he was like, you always are because you're a grafter. You've just like, you've just got that, like you say, that grit, that determination, that kind of like that passion and that drive. And I think, I think I've been really lucky to find something that I love and something that I'm really, really passionate about. And I think that's part of what I want, like trying to instill with the kids, like find something you love. Cause you know, it's a long, long old life if you don't. Um, but I think it's its just that, um, I mean, what I did wasn't to get me out of a scheme. What I did wasn't to get me, you know, a big house. I don't have a big house Uh, you know or a fancy car or whatever you know it wasn't like well well I want to just buy designer things and live in you know Monaco it was just that I found something that I'm passionate about something I love and actually something that I'm good at and something that is um that I've kind of managed to sort of Forge my own path with if that makes sense like didn't want to go and work in london managed to have brilliant jobs being based in scotland um but you know still able to travel the world so i think it's just that um like you said it like grit and like hunger and passion and like and loads of drive and it's my sisters are pure grafters as well and you know and so is my dad like my dad does so much um still in the community my sister like 52 she's gone back she's just applied to edinburgh uni you know she's um doing like community um community studies i'm gonna say all that wrong and it's gonna be really bad and my other sister works for a um you know a, a charity empowering um young females so you know we've all got that us we've all got that kind of like that just will to to do great stuff Um, and it just so happens my great stuff is with like a list celebs and their great stuff is brilliant stuff in the community and really helping people but i think for me as well you know one of the things that i'm really passionate about and being on the board of screen education edinburgh is like well where are the opportunities for kids like me where are the opportunities how can we help people to to, you know break those barriers and get proper working class um people not even kids people into the industry um and we're talking a lot with like screen scotland and screen nets and beck too and um screen education edinburgh of like how can we join up the thinking on that where is the you know where are the different um industry opportunities how do you then find those People, what's the path that they've got? And even if it's not about um, and and part of the the thing at Screen Education Edinburgh, it's not churning out people who are going to do amazing in the industry. It's bringing you know, it's it's um even just bringing their confidence up a bit, or connecting them with more people, or you know, just getting them out the house and just trying something new. So it's kind of like film can bring that to you know what I mean? It's just that's a really connective industry. It's a really um it's you need to be a you need to be a team player to work in this industry and in the creative industry. So it's just a brilliant way of bringing people together. And even if it's not about you know becoming the CEO of whatever, it's just it's just enough to actually just do it.
0: Yeah. Well, do, do you know what? I mean. I think everyone who's watching this or listening, will see how you're successful. It's very obvious to me how you've got to where you are now because because you, you are actually just a really nice person. And it's, you know, people like you that tell your story like this that will help inspire others because, you know, this series is it's not just as you say, it's not just for the kids and it isn't actually just for the working class. It's about anyone no. who's in life who who has some adversity or, you know, and, and some of my guests aren't all, we weren't all poor when they were we they, they all had just different stories. So thank you so much for sharing yours. And I think you're just going to help so many people and yeah, just keep being amazing. And, and also I was going to say, can yeah. I say to you, just don't be a dick.
1: yeah i know it is honestly our values at ls you know our values are are shit hot creative at heart learning always uh don't be a dick and people people and you know those five those five values are you know we kind of not even in a business sense but just in life you know those are values like you know strive to be shit hot you can be creative even if you're an accountant you know it doesn't mean that you're you know you're painting a picture or whatever you know and learning is so important like if you're no learning you're dead basically you know it's dead important to make sure that you learn every day that's the only way that you can kind of like can grow, um, and then the don't Be a Dick one is is my favourite. Um, as it's my favourite. Really important. It is. Yeah, well we've got, you... it we've got loads. Of, oh, I was just going to say we've got loads of posters all over the all over the office um, with uh, with it on just as a reminder. <laughs> yeah, just so that you don't forget. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And I'll catch all no, well, soon. Thanks
1: for me. Not at all. Really, see, see you.
0: you
1: see, in see you. In can. Can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Len. Cheers. Bye-bye.